Welcome everyone to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, episode 144, and today you'll be hearing my conversation with Julio Diaz, the community content editor for the Pensacola News Journal. We're talking about his career with the PNJ, some of his favorite interviews he's ever done, uh, working with Pensacon since its inception back in 2014, and of course the PNJ Movie Club, which if you live in the Pensacola area and you're a big movie buff is something you should definitely check out. But before we get to that, let me tell you about our proud sponsor, Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Julio Diaz. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Sitting here with my very special guest this week, the community content editor for the Pensacola News Journal, Mr. Julio Diaz. Julio, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good, good. I feel like this is a little overdue. I feel like, you know, I've, I've been kind of wanting to ask you off and on, like, you know, I need to ask Julio to come on the podcast, but then work happens, work happens again, so on and so forth. So thanks for coming by. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So uh, I wanted to start off by asking you, what exactly is a community content editor? We were talking a little bit about that off air. What exactly is that? Nobody knows. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a title that was made up. Uh, I work for the Pensacola News Journal, as you said. Uh, we're part of Gannett, which is the USA Today network. So, you know, we're connected to USA Today and something like 90 newspapers across the country. And... Uh, a few years ago, they reorganized the entire uh, newsrooms, all, all of the newsrooms that, throughout. Right. And uh, so rather than having these positions that we were used to, whether it be a reporter or editor or whatever, they kind of changed some titles and changed some job descriptions. And I had been technically the entertainment editor, really the features editor uh, for many, many years. And they decided, well, we're not going to have those anymore. We're going to have... Uh, community content editor, which is meant to deal with contributed content that comes in from people in the community. Uh, in our case, that could be freelance co- uh, contributors. We have a number of people that write for the paper or shoot photographs for the paper that don't actually work for the, directly for the paper. Mm-hmm. I, I do deal with a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, we also sometimes take contributed articles like, say, uh, Golf Power has a whole media department. Uh, sometimes they write interesting articles about things going on with their employees or things like that. Sometimes we'll take some of those and publish them. Uh, United Way is a great example. We, they do a biweekly column for us. Mm-hmm. So that's considered contributed content. So that's what the job is supposed to be, in theory. Mm-hmm. In reality, I'm still kind of doing a lot of what I was doing before. I do a lot of writing. Uh, actually doing more writing lately than I have been in the past few years, in fact. Um, and I mostly write about features-oriented content, whether it be entertainment, movies, music, uh, events happening, festivals, things like that. Uh, I do a lot of writing about food, which I, Food and Wine was one of the – actually, I was the launch editor on that section 
when it started. It's called Table now, but it was originally Food and Wine. Uh, so I do a lot with local restaurants, chefs, that sort of thing too. Um, but you know, basically a little bit of this and a little bit of that wherever I'm needed. I'm also part of the editorial team, so I sit in on decisions on what's going to go on the front page or if we're going to do a big project or you know, kind of the managerial kind of stuff. Uh, one weekend a year, one weekend a year, one weekend a month. I wish it was only one weekend a year. Uh, one weekend a month, I'm pretty much the weekend editor on duty. And so if there's anything that breaks, uh, I'm the one dealing with it in terms of, okay, this reporter is going to go here and that photographer needs to get over there and that sort of thing. So when you say so you review like food and wine, do you do like specific restaurants as a whole, a specific thing they might be serving or what exactly do you do with that? Well, we don't usually run reviews per se. I will sometimes write a column in which I'll talk about uh, some specifics about something like uh, if I get invited to a menu tasting at a restaurant or something like that, that's something that needs to have a little bit more of an opinion on in it. We'll put that in a column, just like we don't put, people never understand this. You hear, you know, the liberal media, well, no, if you read a news story, usually we try to keep politics out of that. Mm-hmm. So if you're reading a, just a, a story, a profile or something like that, we're, I'm not trying to put my opinion in that. That story is about whoever the story is about, and it's not about what I think of them or don't think right. of them. But if we put something in a column or an editorial, then, yeah, that's meant to have some personality to it and some some uh, opinion to it. So when I'm writing something like that, you'll usually see my face there with it. And mm-hmm. anything in which I'm giving an opinion or whether it be expert or inexpert, I, I don't you know, put myself on a pedestal or anything. I just have opinions just like anybody else does. But, uh, but then I'll, you know, it'll usually be treated as a column and my face will be there with it. And if you're looking at it in the paper and uh, usually I'll call that quick bites because that's what the column was that we did. And, uh, the old food and wine section that I was doing every week. I'm not doing that every week anymore. Uh, so yeah, so something like that, like uh, Jackson's usually invites me. They do two a year nice. of their new menu. I, I, I'll usually write something about that, and that'll be more of an opinion-based thing. But generally speaking, like I've written a couple articles the last couple of weeks that are just profiles on new restaurants that have opened in the community. I wrote uh, this week about uh, 246 Meals to Go, which is a new... Uh, ready-to-go meals. You can go in, pick up. They don't have any kind of dine-in. You place your order online. You go in, you pick up your order, and depending on when you pick it up in the day, you can either pick it up cold and heat it up yourself at home, or you can get it hot and ready to go. And just kind of saves you on... Yeah, it saves you on cooking time and all that kind of thing. A week before that, I wrote about Sammy Barker's, which is a new restaurant on Nine Mile Road. I don't think I've heard of that one. uh, Yeah, they do... uh, um, They call it American Street Food. Mm -hmm. So they do burgers and hot dogs and... uh, street tacos, uh, gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches, and everything's made from scratch. Really good. Really enjoyed the place. Um, and it's up there in that kind of growing Nine Mile Road area. So both those cool. places actually are on Nine Mile Road, in fact. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't make my way out there too much, but I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Now, um, as far as uh, you said, you also write about festivals, uh, movies, things like that. You sure. were recently at Hangout Fest. Yep. How was that? My feet still hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, everybody always says, I had this discussion with uh, my friend Matt Stone, who's one of the DJs on The Blaze that out of uh, Fort Walton Beach. 
uh, the new alternative rock station. Really great station, actually, if you get a chance to check it out. Uh, sometimes the signal in Pensacola is not great, but you can usually get it pretty good at night or on the weekends. But uh, we were both just chatting on Facebook, and he's like, you know, everybody thinks this is just us having fun. It's like, yeah, no, this is work. Yeah. It's Some of it's fun, but it's work. Just like when both of us working with Pensacon, we're working. Yeah. Yeah, it's stuff we love, but that doesn't make, make it any easier. You're still yeah. working. So, yeah, uh, there were a lot of weather challenges this year. We had the the big storm that came in Saturday mm-hmm. night, and then it rained through uh, most of the day Sunday. But, you know, you get to see a lot of great bands play, and there's I'm a music geek, and I have been mm-hmm. my whole life. I'm geek about lots of things, but music is a big one. And uh, so I got to see Phoenix, which is a band I've been wanting to see for almost 10 years. I get to see Franz Ferdinand, which is a band that, I love that really 14 years, 13 years since their debut album came out. I've been wanting to see them all that time. Uh, that was really great getting to see them. And uh, you get to discover some new bands. Uh, I found a band I really like called Rufus Du Soul uh, mm-hmm. from Australia. Uh, really, really enjoyed them. Kind of a mix of like rock beats with like more of an EDM trancey feel to it, which is not necessarily my typical thing, but I really liked what they did. Um, and some, some bands that I knew a little bit about, but then seeing them live, I got to like them a little bit more. Uh, the Head and the Heart, uh, War Paint. Just, it's a lot, of, uh, a lot of alternative, which I is kind of my main genre. I like a lot of everything, but right. my, you know, my tastes are pretty broad. I can listen to some of just about anything. I like to think I can find the good things in any genre. Um, there's a lot of bad things in every genre, too. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that is very true, yeah. But no, I, I heard nothing but good things about it. You know, I know a few people uh, who went to it, and they all said that it was really good. So they put on a really good festival. I, I've uh, gotten to know. I've covered it every year since it started. So this is eight years uh, with this year's festival. It's only eight years old. Yeah. Wow. This it started in 2010. Um, I think I'm one of maybe three or four people that have actually covered it every year since it started. I, uh, that was kind of a discussion that was going around uh, the media area. They've got a a media work area at the festival every year. And uh, there was a little discussion going on amongst people. Well, how many is this for you? You know, you get to know people mm-hmm. over the over the years. There's only one other person that I physically spoke to that said that she'd been there every year too. And I believe she's right because I recognize her. Uh, I'm sure there's probably one or two others that I just, you know. But yeah, I, even amongst my group, even though a lot of us have done it, a lot there's just been weird circumstances where somebody missed one year because of a death in the family uh another person that has had done it every year up to this year decided he didn't want to go this year so yeah i'm one of the few i've gotten to know the the owners and the the uh, festival director a little bit and i actually ran into sean o'connell as the director of the festival ran into him uh twice on friday on the grounds and caught up with him a little bit and so, you know, we've been, managed to build a good relationship over the years, and they're pretty good about making sure they get us the news in a timely manner, which is important. It's important to have those contacts that, you know, trust you and know that if they tell you something and say, hey, this can't go out until right. this date, that you're not going to do that. We call that an embargo in the business. Um, a lot of what I do is building relationships. It's kind of key. Now, when you go to festivals like this, do you – are you just like 
covering it and writing a review for it? Are you interviewing bands? What exactly do you do when you go to these festivals? I've done a little bit of everything okay. as far as that's concerned. Uh, the past couple of years, I've actually had to dive in and uh, help with the photography team, mm-hmm. which I am at best a lucky amateur when it comes to photography. I can frame a shot pretty well, but in terms of knowing all the ins and outs of a professional camera, it's like, okay, guys, this didn't work. What am I doing wrong? And help mm-hmm. me change the settings, that sort of thing. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the weekend, I can get, you know, 100, 200 usable photos out of shooting thousands. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's nice because you get to be right up on the stage for the first three songs. So you get a view that a lot of people don't get. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's some area between the stage and the the actual right. audience. There's some barricades there. Um, so especially when I'm getting a chance to see somebody that I've really wanted to see for a long time, like Phoenix or Franz Ferdinand, that, that was really cool. I was in the pit for both of them. Uh, I have certainly done interviews at the, at the festivals in the past. Uh, I didn't do any this year just because I didn't really push for anybody. There wasn't anybody that I reasonably thought we would get that, uh, I felt like I was going to have time for, given that we actually have a smaller staff this year than we've had in the past two. Uh, but you know, sometimes you just luck into something and you, something happens. Sometimes you schedule something and it happens. Sometimes you schedule something and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you don't get an interview, but you get a chance to say hello and take a little selfie. And uh, ironically, last year I took one with the chain smokers who did the song selfie. So that was kind of. <laughs> Kind of funny. No, that is actually very fitting. Yeah. Um, kind of segueing to Pensacon. Sure. You've been to Pensacon since the beginning, correct? Yes. So we both have. Uh, we both have moderated panels in the mm-hmm. past. How's your experience been with that? I, I love doing the moderation. I mean, honestly, for me, it's putting more work on top of what I'm already doing covering the festival or the festival, the convention. convention. There's there's a lot of similarities between festivals and conventions, and there's a lot of difference between festivals and conventions. So sometimes I'll use the words interchangeably. I must have called Hangout a con like <laughs> four times over the week. And it's like, no, it's not a con. It's new. Unfortunately, the, covering cons actually a little bit easier than covering a music festival. Uh, but it's good because it gives me a chance to get to know some of the celebrities, and then if we're, I can also get in an interview for the for the paper, that works out great. Uh, we do try to do some of that, and I've been able to do some kind of outside of the typical standing at their table in the in the celebrity area. Like a few years ago when Sean Gunn was here and I moderated his panel, mm-hmm. we actually did that interview right there at the Sanger. So that was nice. That was nice. We were a little away from the crowd. It gives a little bit of different atmosphere and a different tone to it. Uh, but, you know, I'm like I said, I'm a nerd just like everybody else. I I geek out over these people and I when I'm working with them professionally, whether it be moderating a panel or whether it be doing something for the paper, interviewing them, whatever, I keep my cool. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I know that you're just a person just like me. As, as a pep talk, I actually gave somebody at uh, the festival this past weekend. I was talking to a, a young uh, reporter for a college radio station. and She's getting ready to do her first interview she'd ever done with anybody. I said, just remember, they're just a person. Mm. They just have a conversation with them, just like you and I are doing right now. Yeah. Just have a conversation, and it's going to be fine. And she came back to me after she was done talking to him. I don't remember who she was interviewing. And uh, said, yeah, that, that that's what it was. <laughs> so, yeah, see? 
No, it, it's it can be a little nerve wracking at first when you start doing interviews, but the more you do and you know the more you pick up on, it does get easier. I, I'm pretty good about not getting starstruck anymore. I mm-hmm. think the last time I really did get starstruck was, uh, I guess it was about five years ago now when um, Joan Jett invited me on her tour bus. And, oh wow! Yeah, and that was just kind of a blur. Uh, I had interviewed her. That's in, awesome. Yeah, I had interviewed her in advance. This was when she played the the final Deluna Fest, mm-hmm. and uh, we we hit it off. I guess she liked me, and she said, "Oh, you need to you know come say hello." I was okay, and sometimes you get that, and it doesn't mean anything. And sometimes you get that, and they actually follow up. Well, you know, her people actually followed up and said, "Yeah, Joan wants you to to come say hello." So you know, this is when you need to beware. And so I went over there and. Walked on the tour bus and uh, she's hanging out and uh, the whole band's there and she's got uh, her longtime producer uh, Kenny Laguna who was I mean this guy was in Paul Revere and the Raiders he's mm-hmm. he's got huge history he's wanting to talk politics with me and I barely know what's going on and <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I you know she's sitting there she's pulling out CDs and signing them to me and I'm like okay you know I wasn't asking for that yeah yeah I, I never ask for for that kind of thing the most I might ask for is a selfie. And uh, was on there for about 10 minutes, got off the bus, and was like, what just happened? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I've, that doesn't happen to me a lot. It's funny because uh, the same year, um, Foo Fighters were one of the headliners that year, and it was the end of their tour. And I actually got invited to the tour wrap party because their tour manager uh, is a very good friend of mine, Gus Brandt. He's from Pensacola. He's one of these guys that started out booking shows and little rinky dink clubs and he's you know built this huge career in the industry uh he manages uh um one of the guys from blink 182 and he does he's done tour management for pharrell and eminem he did conan o'brien's live tour uh so you know he's a friend of mine he said oh you know you guys come to the tour party so i went and there was you know dj jazzy jeff was the dj for this party that's so awesome. Yeah, which I'd actually interviewed him for the, he played the festival too, and I'd actually interviewed him, had a, a good interview with him too. Uh, but Joan was there. I didn't talk to her at the party because I'd already talked to her earlier in the day. But um, right. he'd introduced me to a bunch of people. But the the big one for me, and I joke now that he's my BFF, was Dave Grohl. And, uh, Man, that's amazing. Yeah, so I just had like a five-minute chat with Dave Grohl, and so now I tell everybody he's my BFF. And then I very <laughs> very quickly point out that I'm kidding and that he probably does not remember who I am. Uh, I have interviewed Taylor, the drummer, a couple of times. He does seem to kind of know who I am. And when I, I saw him at the party, too, and mm-hmm. went up and said hello, and it took him a minute, and then he said, we talked on the phone. I said, yes, yeah. Taylor, we did. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it is cool whenever you meet a celebrity in person after you talk with them on the phone and they actually mm-hmm. remember you. Because before Pensacon this year, I interviewed uh, Carlos Alizaraki from Rocco's Modern Life. Mm-hmm. And I went up to him and introduced myself. And he was like, oh, yeah, I did your podcast. I remember I was sick. Because <laughs> he told me after we did the interview, he was like, yeah, I'm actually really sick. I'm like, I never noticed. So, But no, it, it, that was a really cool thing. Um I do have to ask, because you were part of what was probably the most memorable Pensacon panel of all time, the Michael Rooker panel. <laughs> I was a very small part of that <laughs> panel. Uh, I, I felt great sympathy for James Gunn after doing that panel. I literally actually once sent him a, a question. I mean, he does a lot of Facebook Lives and things like that. And uh, 
I literally sent him a question afterwards saying, how do you keep him under control? Because it literally was, he came out on the stage right after I introduced him, grabbed me like by both shoulders, autographed my shirt, and then took off into the audience and he was gone. Yeah. yeah that was, uh, and it was, it was amazing. It was a great panel, but I had yeah. nothing to do with it. Yeah, it was interesting because late last year I went to Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in Atlanta and he was there. Mm -hmm. And a panel that he was at for the last like five minutes of it, he just took the microphone from the moderator and just went through the audience asking questions, like just like he did at Pensacon. I think there's some people that just don't really need a moderator, that they're kind of their and he's own one, one of man them. show. I, I think uh, Henry Winkler this past year, I, I, I didn't have that panel, but I saw it and apparently. That's kind of how that went too, except without him going out into the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, he was one of the nicest guys I've ever met, just period. Not like celebrities, but just period. Mm -hmm. He was a really, really nice guy. I didn't get a chance to have a conversation with him, but he happened to, his panel happened to be right before when I was doing, so I get to shake his hand and say hello. That was, that was cool. And he would do the, the quarter trick. If you ever seen the movie Click, he does uh, like a trick with a quarter. And he was doing that like to little kids and everything. And they were just like, <laughs> he was really, really nice. That's awesome. But yeah, no, I love, I love doing the panels. Uh, I actually ended up doing more this past year than I expected to, which was uh, pretty awesome mm -hmm. <laughs> because I, I always tell myself I can get through just about anything because of the experience that I have. I put it to the test this year. <laughs> I literally, uh, took over a panel 15 minutes before it was supposed to start that I hadn't planned on doing. So, which one, uh, the DC TV panel, which okay. could not have been a better panel for me to do because a, it was one I really wanted anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the person who was supposed to moderate that and the stranger things panel that followed it got sick. So I, okay. I was called to take care of both of those panels at the last minute. Uh, so I knew the, the, the universe inside and out. I've been, mm -hmm. I've, you know, if, I love DC and Marvel, but I'm a DC kid. I grew up on DC over Marvel. Uh, I watch all of those shows. I've seen every episode of all of those shows, so I knew them inside and out. So wasn't that worried about it. And I had actually already done an interview at the con with John Wesley Shupp, who was on the panel. So I had a little bit of a, when there was a hole I could go to, well, John, when we were talking the other day, you said yeah. blah, blah, blah. That, that helped out a little bit. But uh, it just happened to be my particular nerddom too so that that worked out but yeah literally you know can you get over to the singer right now okay i'm on my way and then uh and then stranger things after that which is another one i had wanted to and i'd uh kind of gotten to meet all of them i'd done an interview with everybody but caleb who came in on sunday mm -hmm. uh in advance and uh, actually have gotten to be um friends with glenn allen anderson i'd done a big feature on her before the uh convention because she's from uh, well, from Foley Gulf Shores, basically from our area. Right. So we did a big feature about, hey, you know, here's this local girl that's on Stranger Things. Well, you know, I'm Facebook friends with her mom now. <laughs> <laughs> so and her, but her mom, your mom's awesome, actually. Her mom was in the New Christie Minstrels, so she'd had a whole career of mm -hmm. you know, being in entertainment well before her daughter. Yeah. It's interesting, like you were saying, having to balance like your your P and J job with doing the the panels and everything else. Because mm -hmm. I was in the same situation with doing the video stuff, and then like I would have my my uh, videographer shirt on. I'm like, okay, I got to go to the singer now. So I run to the back, 
change into a blazer and a t-shirt, run over to the singer, then come back, grab my camera, change shirts, go back to filming, so on and so forth. So like you were saying earlier, it's still fun, but it's it's also work. It's like it's having way. your own secret identity. It, you kind have to of, change, yeah. change into your, your your costume and you go. I should have wore glasses while I was the video guy. Oh, and that's then just, a good you know, idea. You just take them off and put the blazer yeah. on and you know go to save the day. I'm actually from Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my glasses on either. I should. Oh well. Um, kind of segueing into some of your uh, interviews you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, who are some of your favorites that you've interviewed? Uh, the best ones are when you find a connection with somebody and it ends up being more than just a little, con- you know, okay, I got to do 10 minutes with this guy and then I got to go do 10 minutes with the guy from Poughkeepsie and the guy from Walla Walla or whatever because that's where the next stops on the tour are. Uh, Joan was one, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. Um, I've had a couple others like that where they've, you know, said, oh, when you, when we get to town, come see me. And uh, Loretta Lynn was a big one. Oh, that's awesome. Just the nicest woman in the world. Just You cannot imagine how every bit of what she seems like she'd be. Mm-hmm. Just very, you know, has the, the Southern manners and the uh, just a lovely, lovely woman. She's been sick again lately, so she oh, seems, to be getting, seems to be getting better. So oh, good. That's great here. Um, Exe and Cervanka from X was another one. Uh, not this past time. They were just here again, actually. Uh, but they'd been here about five years ago and uh, had a good interview with her, headed off. She said, oh, come to Soundcheck. So we went to Soundcheck and we ended up having having dinner with her and spent you know the whole pre-show evening hanging out with her. So that was a good one. Anytime you can get that, uh, something like that, or anytime where you get somebody. My favorite thing in an interview is when I ask a question and I hear silence at the other end for for a minute. And then I hear him say, that's a good question. It's like, because <laughs> yeah. you know you've asked something that they're not getting asked. You know, mm-hmm. They're sitting there doing 15 of these interviews in a row. A lot of times when it's a tour promotion or something like that. And uh, so when they you've made them stop and think for a second, you feel like, okay, well, I, I hit this one well. Or a lot of time when, when you know, you'll offer like some kind of interpretation or something. It's like, yeah, that's exactly, you know, and mm-hmm. this is why that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I've made a lot of friends over the years in the industry and I've interviewed a lot of interesting people. Uh, another big one, not somebody I necessarily became friends with or, you know, got invited to hang out with or anything like that, but just, um, one of my personal heroes and somebody who wasn't with us anymore was George Carlin. Mm-hmm. I interviewed him, uh, the last time he came to Pensacola, which was uh, oh, wow. in the last year of his life. I, it ended up being, uh, that was a, a really big one. Um, I've got to interview the the guys from my favorite band. They might be giants uh, several times over uh, over the career. I think I've they were here I'm, recently, weren't they? Yeah, I think I'm now even on the Johns. I, th- I think I've done both of them three times at this point. So I think this last interview with John Linnell, I think I think brought him up to up to par with John Flansburg. Um, so that's you know that's always good. The first time I interviewed them. Uh, was very early in my career. It was both of them, and it was in person. So that was that's even better. Yeah, that was a, a little bit in, a little bit nerve wracking, but uh, but it was good. And then uh, for a while there, I I seemed to keep getting Flansburg, and it got to be where he he knew me. You know, he he knew me when I was on the phone. He I ran into him at a a uh, conference, uh, one of the I think it was one of the CMJ conferences, and. Uh, 
he recognized me when he saw me and you know mm-hmm. was friendly so that that was nice that's been long he's i haven't talked to him that one 15 years probably so i don't think he'd he'd know me now Linnell's finally getting to know me because I've done the last two interviews with him. So the next time I talk mm-hmm. to him, he's the next time I, he said, next time I talk to you, I'm definitely going to remember you. Yeah. The last time I was like, oh yeah, I re- interviewed you last time. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Next time I'll remember you. Okay. When you're doing interviews, do you find that doing them in person is much easier than over the phone? Not necessarily. Uh, it just kind of depends on who it is and, and what the rapport is. Um, I've had inter- interviews with the same person go better on the phone than they've gone in, in person and vice versa. Uh, Dickie Barrett from the Mighty Mighty Boss Chans. Definitely the first one was in person. The second one was on the phone. And the first one was definitely, um, definitely went better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find that at times I get less nervous when I'm on the phone than I am in person. And I'm not entirely sure why. But like you, I've had some that, go better in person, some that go better, you know, over Skype or whatever. Well, you know, I mean, people have a presence. So Mm -hmm. especially if it's somebody whose work you admire or somebody you've grown up watching on television and movies, uh, music videos, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you try to remember they're just a person, but it's still, you know, heart starts beating a little faster and mm -hmm. you, you Yeah, there there have been a couple where I would be waiting for them to to call me, like on Skype or whatever, and then I would just feel it go, start mm-hmm. to sweat a little bit, and then. But you know, once you get into it, like you said, they're just like they're just like you and me. And hopefully, that's how it goes when you're in person too. I, I mean, I definitely have found that uh, doing them at Pensacon in front of an audience, you know, because that adds that extra dimension too. It's like not just that you're here with this person who you know. Great example, I had the con man panel at Pensacon this year. So I'm, I'm sitting there with Sean Astin. You know, I, yeah. you, I was about his age when he was in Goonies. So mm-hmm. it's somebody who I've, you know, the whole, li- the whole life has been there and, you know, been somebody who I've, whose work I've enjoyed. Uh, but, you know, he's a real down-to-earth guy. You talked to him a little bit backstage beforehand. So it was smooth when we went out there. But then you've got the, the added everybody's staring at you. Good thing to remember, though, with the, the panels, they're, they're not staring at you. They're staring at Sean. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's not about you. Nope, that is true. That's And that's one of the first things we learn when we do our moderator classes mm-hmm. by the great Steve Wise. Shout out yep. to Steve if you're watching. <laughs> Before we continue this fantastic conversation with Julio Diaz, I have to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as I mentioned before, they have a ton of books to choose from, over 180,000 of them. I can't stress this enough. They have every type of book for every type of reader. If you like mysteries, they have that. If you like romance, they have that. If you're a gamer like myself, they have the books from Halo, Mass Effect, Gears of War. They have Star Wars books. I can't stress enough, they have everything for everyone. And if you're always on the go like I am, Audible is a great service to still be able to read, even though you don't really have time to sit down and read a book. And to do that, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Dream interview or panel you'd like to moderate? Ah... 
Wow. Um, I've gotten a lot of the interviews I've wanted over the years. Uh, it would have to be somebody that, well, I mean, let's, let's just put aside people that aren't with us anymore. Cause that, right. that gets into a whole yeah. other, another crazy territory. Um, if it's somebody from, you know, from the entertainment world, um, gosh, that, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I guess one of the biggies would be like Paul McCartney or Mick Jagger or, or Keith Richards or somebody like that. Some of the yeah. you know, some of the music titans that are still with us, um, Harrison Ford. Uh, you know, Mark, Sean Connery would be a really good one too. Sean Connery would be a really good one. Um, I feel like Mark Hamill should be mentioned in there, but I also feel like he'd be a little bit more down to earth and, yeah. and I'd, I'd feel less pressured talking to him. He doesn't have the reputation for being grumpy that Harrison has. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I'm a star Wars kid. I've been a star Wars kid since I was a kid. So, mm-hmm. and you know, George, George would be a big one. George Lucas would be a big one. Steven Spielberg would be a big one. Spielberg would be amazing. Yeah. It, when uh, I was side story about George Lucas, I was at uh, Star Wars Celebration. They had the big 40th anniversary panel, and nobody knew that George Lucas was going to be there, and he was the first guest that came out. You know, everybody went nuts. The expected people came out, and then it ended with Harrison Ford coming out. Mm-hmm. So you've got George Lucas, Harrison Ford, and Mark Hamill all next to each other. Wow. It's like, holy crap. That's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, Quentin Tarantino would be a big one for me, too. I've been in the same room as Quentin. I've been to a panel he did at um, at Comic-Con San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and Robert Rodriguez were on the same panel. That was that was pretty cool, but I didn't you know, actually get to talk to them or anything. Right. Uh, I you know, like a lot of directors. Kevin Smith would be a big one. I've technically interviewed him via email uh, when I was in college, when I was taking an intro to film class and... Uh, we had to, well, we didn't have to, and actually I had already aced the class, but I wanted to do it anyway. We had an extra credit paper on a director and he had a public email address. So I emailed him and he actually you know, responded and said, yeah, you know, send me a few questions via email. So I've technically interviewed him, but I've never actually spoken to him. I've been right. in the room with him at a, at a con, the, the panel, mm-hmm. but I've never actually spoken to him. So. If we ever get him at Pensacon, somebody's going to have to fight me for, for that panel for sure. That would be, but then again, he's one that really wouldn't need a moderator. It would really probably be just in, introducing him. And then yeah. I've seen how he does his panels. It's literally, okay, guys, ask me questions. Yeah, it's really just he walks out, hey, guys, I'm Kevin Smith. Let's ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that would be huge if Pensacon were able to get him. Like he, he's been somebody that's been like a dream guest of mine for since Pensacon started. So mm-hmm. that would be huge. If that were to ever happen, yeah. Uh, one of the doc- one of the doctors, Mike Ensley, always kind of pounces on the doctor yeah. and, and and keeps him for himself. So if he ever doesn't want to do one, I'll 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 fall on that sword and talk to <laughs> to any one of the doctors or companions. I'll, I'll or, make the sacrifice and talk to one of the doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing I wanted to talk about, and this is something that I think is really cool for those you know who live in Pensacola should definitely look at this: the PNJ Movie Club. That you do at the, I guess now it's the AMC. I still sometimes still call it the Rave. Uh, <laughs> there are still technically light fixtures in the yes. building that have the Rave logo on them. They have the Rave logo. <laughs> they still, uh, up until recently, played Carmike commercials mm-hmm. in the AMC. 
So I was like, we've got like a theaterception here going on. But uh, tell us a little bit about the movie club and how'd you start it? Well, uh, we've been doing it for actually just over three years. We just had our three-year anniversary maybe last week or the week before, I think it was. Uh, this was a, a concept that I came up with. It was just to, to do kind of a community outreach and kind of give the paper more of a presence in the community kind of thing. Uh, so we go out on, it's typically on Thursday nights because that's usually when the, the quote unquote preview screenings for new movies are, uh, every once in a while you'll get a Wednesday opening. We'll do a Tuesday, but usually it's uh, Thursday nights. Um, we go and we watch the new movies and then after the movie's over, we host a conversation about the film, whether people liked it or they didn't like it. We want to hear from them. And, uh, then we have a Facebook group where we have some discussion going on as well. And we share some of that there. Uh, sometimes we do some articles online or in print that are based on the, what we hear from people. Uh, we occasionally do a podcast, uh, an mm -hmm. audio only podcast, uh, which you can find on pnj.com. And sometimes, so we get some discussion going there too. And just kind of, uh, you know, lets us indulge, uh, our love for movies and share that with the, with the community and, and be a part of the community. Uh, we've been doing it for three years. We just, uh, just today, in fact, got, uh, the relationship reaffirmed. We, um, our person who we had been working with for, um, since the start, Emily Britt, who's one of the managers, uh, and has become a good friend of mine, actually left the, the theater. Oh, really? And we were in a little bit of limbo there and now she's come back to the theater. Oh, cool. So, uh, so we, we, uh, she actually spoke with her district manager today and we've got that completely firmed up. So we're, we're good to go. We've got Pirates of the Caribbean tomorrow night and then we, uh, in a week after that, we're really looking forward to Wonder Woman. I'm actually really excited about that movie. I think it's going to, it's easily going to be the best DC movie that they've done since they started this, DC universe, I think that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were there were things about Batman versus Superman that I liked. It wasn't a very well put together movie. I did really like Ben Affleck as Batman, but just the pacing of the whole movie was all over the place. The best things about Batman versus Superman were Ben Affleck as Batman and Gal Gadot as as Wonder Woman. She's, yeah. I think she's great. I hope the script and the direction live up to what she brought to the character in the movie. Uh, the trailers look good. There's supposed good buzz, but there was supposed good buzz about Batman versus Superman too. I don't hate suicide squad, mm -hmm. which was a movie that I was completely prepared to hate because it's one of my all time favorite comics. Uh, I was a huge fan of the, um, not the original, original run when it was like a military, uh, comic in the sixties because a, I wasn't alive yet. But, uh, the, um, the run that started in the late eighties by John Ostrander, which I consider the seminal, and there's even a building named after him in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, he created Amanda Waller, which is the, the keystone character yes. of that concept. Um, I, that's one of my all time favorite comics. That's 66 issue run. Uh, I, in fact, some of my early, quote unquote journalism for lack of a better term, it was sending in letters of comment to comics. And I, there are several issues of suicide squad that I have letters printed in. Uh, that's kind of the deep, dark secret of this, <laughs> the start down this road. I'm curious uh, to know what issues those are. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I could, I mean, like if I saw a cover, I say, yeah, I have one in that one. Uh, there's a few, 
DC comics of the late 80s and early 90s that mm-hmm. you can actually sometimes uh, if you look in the Grand Comics database, so, sometimes it'll mention who the letters in the issue are for. So uh, the, my name's in the Grand Comics database a few times, weirdly enough. I've, I've never written a comic mm-hmm. or edited one or thought about applying for a few of those jobs occasionally. And then I always managed to talk myself out of it. Even having some friends in the industry is like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Ryall, who's like the, the big chief guy at IDW is a friend of mine and I've never hit him up for a job. Mm-hmm. Not saying I never will Chris, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you so, were you somebody were, actually recently hit him up for a job on my behalf recently. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I wasn't going there. Now, if you have something, I'll listen. But you know, I, I literally had to jump in and say, "Hey, I appreciate that, but that's yeah. not what I was doing." Yeah. So you were going into Suicide Squad expecting to hate it, but you didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great movie, mm-hmm. but there are enough things I liked about it that I. Don't hate it. I, Amanda Waller being a key of something they really got right. That yeah. That to me, like I said, is the key character. Um, Margot Robbie's Harley is great, and I was against Harley being in the movie because Harley to me is not a core Suicide Squad character. I know she has been over the past five or six years, but that's a very very new thing. And I, I didn't really want Harley in the movie, but I loved her in the movie. Yeah, she did a great job. Yeah, I thought Will Smith did a good job as Deadshot. Uh, the, so the characters I, I liked, the interpretation of the characters I liked. The Joker had no place in that movie, which I was against the Joker being in it to begin with, too. I'm glad they didn't make him part of the team, which was yeah. my big concern. But I have a hate-hate relationship with Jared Leto anyway, uh, which stems from something really stupid, but it's my thing and I'm sticking to it. He's actually a very good actor, but mm-hmm. uh, when uh, his band 30 Seconds to Mars played uh, the first Deluna Fest in Pensacola, he was the only act in the entire festival that was like, no, we're not letting anybody take pictures of us. I'm like, dude, you have your picture taken for a living. You literally make way more money acting than you do in your little band. Yeah. And so that I, I've built this up into some kind of art, much like Dave Grohl is my BFF. Yeah. Jared Leto is my arch enemy. He's your nemesis. Yeah. So, uh, so it's become a thing, but it had, I, it's, I don't necessarily dislike what he did with the character. I just don't feel like that. It I feel worked like in the movie, I feel like he wasn't in it enough to really form like a true, Oh, he was a great joker. Or, oh, he was a terrible joker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'd like to see him in more just to see what he can do with, with that character. So we'll, I, I sure like we'll to see. disdainfully call him Jordan Catalano, even though I loved my so-called life. I, I, I just liked it. Oh, Jordan Catalano. A movie that came out recently that you guys hosted guardians of the galaxy volume two. What did you think of it? Uh, one of my favorite movies of the year, uh, maybe number two or three for the year so far. I haven't quite decided. I'm actually going to try to see it again this week, which will be my third time. Uh, no, I loved it. I think James Gunn is doing an amazing job with these movies. I think he's an incredible director. I, I've been a fan for a while. I really love Slither. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he's done with these films, one of the things I think is so important about this movie, there's this general criticism of the Marvel movies that they're all the same movie. And that's garbage not, to begin they're with. Not. They're, they're not remotely. But the fact that he was able to take this movie with these same characters this is not a retread of the first guardians of the galaxy at all. It is a completely different story with characters that 
have grown since that first movie and continue to grow in this movie that has brought up characters that were just minor supporting characters in the first movie, made them major characters and given them such growth, juggling this cast of like eight or nine main characters, all none of whom get short shrift. And, uh, you know, even building up, you know, a character like Craglin, that's just a small character. And again, Sean Gunn, which I've been a fan of his since Gilmore Girls. I'm a huge Gilmore Girls fan. Mm-hmm. It's part of why I wanted the panel when he was here uh, right. last time. And I, I, I'm going to fight for getting back again this time, actually. Um, getting to see him get, get such a great role. Yeah. Uh, no, I loved it. You know, I think the the use of music is, has become a character unto itself in these movies. And I, being a music nerd and a movie nerd and a comic nerd, this is like the perfect stew for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's fabulous. And I think the only other movies this year that really compete with it are Get Out and Logan. Logan was so, so, so good. It, I just got it, uh, the digital download, and watched the black and white version. It's actually much better. Really? Black and white, yeah. It gives it a whole different type of feel. I, I would highly recommend watching it. It's really good. And and those two movies couldn't be more different, yeah. Logan and Guardians of the Galaxy, even though they're both Marvel Comics movies. Mm-hmm. They, they could not be more different from each other, and yet they both kind of do the same thing in that they, A, have themes about family and, and fatherhood and uh, daddy issues, mm-hmm. and that they build these characters and grow these characters. The, on the surface, you think, God, this, the tones of this, the tones of those movies are dramatically different from each other. The looks of those movies are dramatically different from each other. But they both tackle the same themes in different ways, and I think that's something a lot of people haven't caught on to yet. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, um, and then Get Out's just an amazing film too. I, I, I've heard great things. I haven't seen it yet, but mm-hmm. I've heard amazing things about it. Really, is just smart and wry and. Uh, has has humor to it without it being a quote unquote horror comedy. Uh, just Jordan Peele just did an amazing job with that movie. And I really hope that it didn't come out too early in the year for it to get the recognition it deserves when they start handing out awards at the end of the year. Yeah. Because I don't think I've seen a better movie this year so far. And I've seen about 25 so far this year, something like that. Kind of going back to the whole Marvel thing. Yeah, I hear a lot of people say all the Marvel movies are the same. They were starting to get that way, I feel like, until Ant-Man came out. Because with Ant-Man, you had like your comedy heist type film. With Guardians, you have your sci-fi action adventure and so on and so forth. But even the three Captain America movies are wildly different movies from each other. I mean, the first is is a, is a war movie. The second is a, like a 70s style espionage yeah. thriller, and the third one is, in some ways, it's an Avengers one and a half or two and a half. But mm-hmm. it really isn't that either. It's it, it's really about way more than that. And I don't think the two Avengers movies are that similar to each other either. I, I think the first one is very much the the gathering of the team, and the second one is very much the disintegration or the beginning of the disintegration of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine that Infinity War is going to be very similar to those. Yeah. And even, you know, look at the Thor movies. I don't think they're terribly similar to each other either. Now, I haven't seen Dark World yet. You know, I mean, it's on the lower end of the the Marvel spectrum, but it's there's not a bad Marvel movie. I mean, if I'm going to say the worst one, I'm probably going to say it's Iron Man 2. 
I would actually and, agree with that. And that's a completely watchable movie. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, it's that, that, that one you could maybe argue is a little bit too much of like what the first one was, but I yeah. mean, Dr. Strange is nothing like Ant-Man is mm-hmm. nothing, which is nothing like guardians, which is nothing like Avengers, which is nothing like Captain America, civil war, which is nothing. Well, those are a little close, but yeah. What is your favorite movie in the MCU? I, it's probably a tie between the two guardians movies right now. I just can't decide which one of the two of them I like more. Um, I, it's I, I need to see the first one again yeah, to, it's to, tough. to make that decision. But yeah, ironically, my two favorite, well, no, my, yeah, my two favorite Marvel characters are not actually in the MCU. I'm a big Nightcrawler fan. If you could yeah. tell. And, uh, Kitty Pride and mm-hmm. which Kitty still really hasn't gotten a good run in the movies yet. Unfortunately, uh, I think Nightcrawler has gotten a, I didn't love what they did with him next to, I loved what they did with him powers wise, but the characterization I didn't love no fault of Alan Cumming, just the way the character was written. Uh, but I, I thought he was one of the few highlights of apocalypse. I did not care for apocalypse overall, but I did no. like Nightcrawler and apocalypse. Uh, and you know, I'm a big Spidey guy, so I'm yep, glad to too. see him in the MCU. Um, I'm a big fan of the thing. So I really hope that they some, at some point decide to fix the fantastic four. Did you ever see the, the reboot of the fantastic four that came out a couple of fan four stick? Yeah. Fan four stick. As it happened, uh, I got really, really, no, that wasn't the one I got really sick for. That was Jupiter ascending. There were two really bad movies that I missed one because I got really sick Mm-hmm. And and that was Jupiter Ascending, and one because I got called out of town for work, and that was Van Forstick. And I, I never have been able to subject it myself to it since then. It's an hour and a half of your life you'll never get back. I would not watch it. It, to me, is worse than like a Batman and Robin. It's, to me, out of all the comic adaptions that I've seen, yeah. it's the worst. I, it, I mean, I sat through Elektra in the theater. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that that's the plot. Yeah, that, that, that one's up there, That's too. the valley we're at. Yeah, and, you know. that one's up there, too. Yeah, that was, well, that was not a good movie. Yeah. So what are some movies that you have coming up for uh, the movie club that you'd like to plug? As far as stuff that I'm personally looking forward to, uh, definitely looking forward to Baby Driver. I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. Uh, so, uh, that looks like a very interesting movie to begin with. Anything he does, I'll check out. But, mm-hmm. uh, I really think, especially if you get a chance to check out the European trailer for that movie, just again, looks like it's perfectly synced with the, t- the right music and the, the, the right look and a great cast with Kevin Spacey and, and Jamie Foxx and, uh, all these great actors in it. I, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Atomic Blonde is another one I'm really looking forward to with Charlize Theron, I love that she's kind of becoming the female action star. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this looks like what Marvel should have done in, in, in that they should have made a Black Widow movie. This looks like a Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. It's actually based on a graphic novel also, but uh, Marvel missed... That's one of the big criticisms I have of Marvel is that they really missed the boat with with that, that we should have already had a Black Widow movie by now. Um I'm, of course, looking forward to Justice League and Star Wars and losing my voice. Excuse me. Yeah, Justice League is... I've got got high hopes for it, but I think that's a very important movie 
for DC because if that movie doesn't get good reviews, you got to think, what do they do next? Well, and now with uh, you know this this tragic news that we've had recently with Zack Snyder's uh, daughter having having died via suicide yeah. and him stepping away from the movie and. You know, I am a gigantic Joss Whedon nerd. I, Buffy is my favorite series of all time. I adore Firefly. I've got a Serenity movie poster in my living room. I, I, I'm, I'm in the bag for everything the guy does. Would I have wanted him to do Justice League? Of course I would have. Do I want it to have happened this way? God, no. 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 I mean, it's not worth it. And we don't really know what's going to happen, whether he's going to come in and just execute what Snyder was already working towards or whether he's going to, I know he's doing some rewrites on it, but he was going to be doing the rewrites anyway. Um, It's very interesting. And of course we'll never know how much of what ends up on the screen is what was already done versus what will be done. There's this whole thing about reshoots where people are like, Oh, reshoots mean the movie's in trouble and it's always going to be bad. Well, okay, yeah, Suicide Squad had a lot of reshoots, Fan Four Stick had a lot of reshoots, but so did Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And Rogue One was fantastic. Yes. Just, I mean, you know, that that is a movie that used reshoots the way they're supposed to be used. It's used to make things right, not further mm-hmm. muddy it up. So we'll see. I, I'm definitely looking more forward to when um, Joss gets to do his own thing on Batgirl. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. He's a about great that. choice for that, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm. You know, like I said, I'm. Uh, that's when you ask me dream panels or interviews. That's probably one that I should have said uh, because I'm a big Joss Whedon, big nerd. Joss fanboy. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely am a big Joss fanboy. What about uh, Last Jedi? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I the thing I'm think that I'm most interested in about this is it's going to take up immediately after. So what does the crawl say? <laughs> hey guys, remember five minutes ago? Okay, yeah. now here we are. I guess it's just going to do a recap of of The Force Awakens and they say like, oh, Ray has made it to Octo where she finds Luke Skywalker who's been in seclusion, dot, dot, dot. And then we pan down to the planet. There's all this stuff trickling out now. There's been these amazing Annie Leibovitz photos that have come out from Vanity Fair this mm-hmm. week that are just... The covers are, are great, by the way. Yeah, just everything. They're, they've released some interior photos today too and they're just amazing. Oh, I haven't seen out. those yet. Yeah, just, well, I mean, you know, of course, again, it's Annie Leibovitz, too. So, I mean, she's an incredible visual stylist mm-hmm. uh, and over and above anything that the movie was going to do anyway. So, uh, you know, I mean, I hate that it's the last we're going to see of Carrie. That's just heartbreaking. That's going to be really emotional. Last year, I mean, you know, everybody, it's a running joke with, with my friend Phil Bailey and I about, oh, well, every time somebody important dies this year, I thought nobody important was supposed to die a lot this year because everybody's like, I can't wait for 2016 to be over. Everybody I love is dying. You know, people yeah. die every year. Yeah. But when the year started with David Bowie dying and ended with Carrie Fisher dying, that was really personally very rough for me. I'm a huge, huge Bowie fan. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Carrie has been there my whole life you know she's yeah yeah, i was a little kid when star wars came out and and, you know and not it's not just about star wars but you know her writing her humor her persona as a raconteur and then stuff like the blues brothers Mm -hmm. i'm a huge fan of the blues brothers um that was that was hard it's still kind of hard i'm almost tearing up a little bit (laughs) well and i think just her being you know so open about all of her issues and not Mm -hmm. hiding behind it i think just set a great example not just for for females, but just for people 
in general is you don't have to be ashamed of things you're going through mm-hmm. that you can fight it. You can own it. And I thought that was something great that she stood for there. There's an incredible tribute online that they did at celebration that there wasn't a dry eye in the room when it happened. So anybody who hasn't watched it should definitely check it out. But we're going in with no Han Solo. And by the end of this one, we'll have no princess Leia. No, I'm, I'm, I don't think they're going to kill her on screen or anything like that. I don't think they're going to kill the character. What do you think is going to happen? I think they'll just find some way for her to be off camera in the last one or the last one of this trilogy at any rate. I, I, I don't anticipate, you know, I could be wrong. I don't know anything. I haven't read anything. I've actually tried to avoid reading anything, but I just can't see them doing that to the audience. Kind of the same way they didn't do, uh, do that to Heath Ledger and in uh, in the Batman films, they made a point of mentioning the Joker was somewhere off camera and in dark Knight rises. I think that's, yeah, He was locked up in Arkham. Right. Last question. What do you think Luke meant when he said it's time for the Jedi to end? What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm a little scared of the answer to that question. I think all of us are a little bit scared of the answer to that question. I'm hoping that my interpretation of it, and this is, again, purely speculative, not based on anything I read, is that maybe this goes back to I shudder to mention the prequels, but maybe this goes back to the prequels and the whole idea of balance in the force that, you know, Anakin was supposed to be the one to bring the balance to the force. Well, no, he wasn't. He just went off the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was right about sand though. I just want to point <laughs> that out as corny as that line is. I, I posted on the, on Facebook this, this weekend when I was at the hangout festival dealing with being on the beach for three days, nonstop. Guys, you know, in all fairness to Anakin Skywalker, he wasn't wrong about sand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, maybe that was supposed to go to Luke and then that didn't happen through the circumstances because of Kylo going off the rails. So maybe Rey is the one to bring balance to the Force. And that therefore there wouldn't be a Jedi or a Sith. There would just be like, some people like this concept of a gray Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe that's that's what she represents. Um, I hope they have the guts to have her be her own character and not have to be a Skywalker or a Kenobi or a descendant of someone. Um, I don't know that they do. I know there's a lot of speculation about that. I would like them to have the guts for her to be, you know, oh no, she's one of the, you know, the, the Goldsteins from down, you know, Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be a very interesting take that I don't think anybody would expect. I, I truly don't think that they're going to reveal that she's Luke's daughter. I think if she has any type of connection, her being like Obi-Wan's granddaughter would be kind of cool because it would be kind of a a swap. You know, it would be a Skywalker training a Kenobi instead of the other way around. I would hate that less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't hate either one. I'd, I'd live with either one, but... Her being a Skywalker would just be the most predictable. The fact that she heard the voices of both young and one Obi-Wan in her you know, dream state or whatever that was, her, mm-hmm. her weird David Lynchian kind yeah. of flashback touched Luke's. I don't, I don't know what that was. But <laughs> like a hallucination. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Uh, that, that kind of says something, but supposedly Yoda's voice is in there somewhere too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, I definitely don't think she's Yoda's great grandchild or great 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 that'd be an interesting take yeah no um even in the the last jedi trailer when you see 
the shot of Carrie Fisher from the back, you can hear her say from A New Hope, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. And mm-hmm. when you see the, the shattered Kylo Ren helmet, you hear Obi-Wan say seduced by the dark side. So them using, you know, clips from the original movies are, they're kind of cool. I, I think they should just go complete left field and have her be the child of R2 and 3PO. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all know there's something going on between them. Yeah. I mean, they, they've hinted at it for now seven <laughs> movies, so it's time to make that commitment. But uh, anything else? Uh, I'm trying to think. I think that's... Do you have any social media that you'd like to plug or plug the PNJ? Um, sure. Well, I mean, you know, the PNJ is at PNJ.com. We're, we're there all the time. There's all kinds of uh, great reporting about our community going on there, not just what I do, but... You know, we have a, a team of talented reporters, and if you want to know what's happening in this in this town, be it crime or government or education or military or fun stuff like what I do, that that's always a place for you to go for sure. Um, I am on Twitter at Julio Diaz PNJ. I am a very sporadic tweeter, so. I have a personal Twitter too, which is at Two Tone Boy. If you'd like to follow that as well, but <laughs> I, I don't use either one of them very much. And then um, you have the PNJ Movie Club on yeah. Facebook. Well, and the other thing I, I definitely should uh, plug is, uh, in addition to all of that stuff that we've already talked about, uh, I do have, uh, with my friend Phil Bailey, uh, we have a cosplay photo project that we've been doing oh, for cool. about a year now. Uh, it's called Boss Cosplay. So if you look for Boss Cosplay on Facebook, uh, it's at Boss Cosplay on Twitter or at Boss underscore t- cosplay on Instagram. Uh, you can see all of our projects there. We've uh, worked with a lot of great cosplayers in, in the community here. Uh, we work a lot with with High Thrall. Uh, we've worked with Levon French, uh, cosplays by Lowe, uh, Virginia Burton, uh, Chris Kubiak. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we work with a lot of folks in in the community uh, who are very talented cosplayers. We uh, take a lot of time to find the right locations for them. We try to make things as natural as possible. We don't do a lot of effects or goofy stuff like that. Um, but we've been building that for uh, for about, uh, oh gosh, about close to a year now and uh, getting a pretty good following. And we, uh, we've we been featured on Geek Girls uh, once or twice. We've been featured on uh, Over 30 and Over 40 Cosplay. And we're supposed to be featured sometime soon on a very, very major nerd-oriented website that I'm reluctant to say until it actually goes up. But I've actually already sign the contract giving them permission to use the photos. So That's awesome. It is a, a nerd-oriented website. We'll, we'll definitely have to stay tuned that for that. That is founded by somebody who likes to talk about dead things a lot. Let's just leave it at that. I can't I be like any it. broader than that. <laughs> it's nerdist. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Julio, thank you very much for stopping by to do the interview. It was great. No problem. Glad to do it. Thanks. My thanks again to Julio Diaz for taking the time to have that wonderful conversation. Be sure to follow the PNJ Movie Club on Facebook to find out what movies they'll be featuring throughout the summer and throughout the rest of the year. Next week will be part one of my yearly look inside the world of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. We've been busy preparing for the All-Star Game. That's right, the Blue Wahoos are hosting the 2017 Southern League All-Star Game June 19th and 20th. So next week, we'll be looking inside the world of the front office of the Blue Wahoos as we prepare for the All-Star Game. We'll be hearing from multiple people. Uh, Names will be released out on social media later this week. So be sure to come back next week and check out that fun episode. 
But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media. Search for The Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook. On Twitter, the show page is at Podcast, and my personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond. And I'm also on Instagram. Just search for at Podcast. Uh, been a little inactive on Instagram lately, but do hope to be changing that very, very soon. And I believe that does it for this week. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.